Hey you, and welcome back to the RhizoCast with your host, Sue Hunt. You can find us at rhizomagazine.com or suehunt.com. All right, let's get right into this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the RhizoCast with Sue Hunt. I am excited to be here with you today. I actually just got over COVID. Took me two and a half years to get it. And man, was it not fun at all. So still recovering here. So is my voice and so is my throat. But I definitely wanted to tune in this week and have a conversation before the Sagittarius full moon on Tuesday, June 14th, the strawberry moon. And one of the things I wanted to touch on today is purpose and home frequency. And we sometimes get this idea of purpose is that it's something that we are doing with our life, or it's the job that we have, or the project that we put out into the world. And the word destiny is used a lot in spiritual spaces. And this is something that I really address in Transitory Nature in Chapter 8, which is Breaking the Self-Will-Destiny Binary. And with a lot of downtime last week and time to reflect, right, it's easy to look at all of your misaligned hustle and go, okay, where am I expending energy that I don't need to be expending it? And how do I actually pull back and be okay with resting and recovering and healing? And how do I build a life around that so that it doesn't ever feel like FOMO or this inner dying kind of like uh, angst that arises of like, oh, I can't do the things I really want to do that make me happy. And then we've missed a bit of the purpose, which is the human experience itself, and to really be present for the human experience itself. And I wanted to start with this foundational piece around, you know, living a purposeful life or living a life that really matters to you. And first, it starts with a code of ethics, a personal set of values. And this personal set of values is really yours and yours alone. And it happens in the quiet moments of your life when no one is watching, that you're actually living those values. And when you're not living those values, calling yourself out on them of like, oh shit, that's not a good idea. That really goes against what makes you happy in the long run. That really goes against your commitment to the environment. Ooh, that's a little bit weird. You're seeking outside validation. Let's not do that. Right? So when you have a code of values, in transitory nature, I call it a symbiotic code of ethics. When you have that, there's a sense of service to self and a sense of service to the world around you where you don't feel like it's an either or situation and you can live out an ethic and see it be of service to your own growth and see it be of service on a communal level. Right, so that is imperative to develop these symbiotic ethics for yourself. And the reason I'm not listing them out in a list is because this is very specific to your own 
natal imprint and it's very specific to the emotional and spiritual place that you are in your life right now and things that you're working through and that uniqueness is really what gives it life it it gives it legs and it gives a deep commitment so when you're watching yourself in your own mind in your own life and no one's around that you actually have the meta objectivity to say hmm that isn't really in line with my ethics right that's one of the reasons I decided to get off social media big tough decision right many of you have been asking well what are you doing now or how are you dealing with it or what's the next step for your business and Right now, I will answer those questions in a couple weeks, maybe a couple months on another podcast, but it had to be in line with my own symbiotic ethics. And that was one of the last threads that really felt like it wasn't. So staying in alignment with these ethics is not always an easy decision, and it's not always a fun decision, but it's a delayed gratification. That's what happens. It changes the neural networks of who you are and how you think. And then over time, you are somebody else. Right. On that note, I think it's really important to look at the idea of purpose. What is my purpose? And if we're always this changing entity, right, then we need a purpose that isn't a thing, it isn't external validation, it's not a job, it's not a creative project, right, it needs to be a statement that actually evolves with you and allows many iterations of your purpose to take shape, right, so it's a a non-binary thing, you're not in purpose or out of purpose, right, You're, you're constantly learning how to bring purpose to everything you do through a code of ethics, And then specifically in chapter eight, you know, I find astrology to be very helpful in terms of, you know, what we came into this world with and the parts of us that we can change and the parts of us that we cannot change and how those things work together to, you know, birth creativity through our own unique spiritual circuitry. And when breaking the um, self-will destiny binary, You know, I hear this a lot in session and I've heard it a lot over the years of, I'm not really quite sure what to do. It doesn't feel like my purpose. I guess I just have to keep trusting. I guess the answer is just to keep trusting. Oh, I'll just leave it up to spirit and I'll trust and it will arrive. The money will arrive. The job will arrive. The partner will arrive. And part of me dies inside when I hear this because there's a big cognitive dissonant moment there of, okay, I'm searching, I'm seeking, I'm clearly striving, something that I'm doing I'm unhappy with. And here, I guess I'll just wait in the same neural circuitry, hoping that something else will arrive, right? So this is really learning how to work with the destiny end of the binary, Understanding that we're wrapped in this karmic system, like pool balls hitting. Every thought, every action, every emotion is like pool balls hitting, right? Some seeds will fruit that are not traceable in this lifetime, and that's important to understand. So those are things that we cannot control in this lifetime, right? And some seeds will fruit that we're like, oh, okay, I really really understand the self-responsibility of that. How do I step into full self-responsibility around that? 
So the root of the word karma is ker, which means action, to create, to act, to always be in motion. And there's three different types of karma. I rigorously go through this in transitory nature. Sanchita karma, kriyaman karma, and parabdha karma. Right? These are three different ways that we can work with action states in our life. And when we really break down purpose, it's about making action every single day. And this isn't as linear as it sounds, right? We're not like, okay, so I should send a newsletter so that I can launch this in my newsletter, right? Sometimes it's that simple. A majority of the time, it's much more nuanced down to our own needs and our own symbiotic ethics. And these things are very personal. So we're checking in with that all the time. And then we're taking action based on those ethics and needs. And it's a constant wheel of action. Like we are never not creating. This is one of the reasons I don't like the word manifestation is because it's not this like, you know, saved up energy that we go get something we want with. It's literally saying, how do I live a life that will produce byproducts that are beneficial to me and others, right? How do I live a life that will produce byproducts that are beneficial to me and others? And sometimes this is just the simplest thing, telling someone you love them, deleting old text message that trigger you, getting off social media, you know, that's a personal one, um, constantly evolving a marriage, right? Being present for that, allowing them to have many iterations of self and you to have many iterations of self, right? How we do one thing is how we do many things. And so we have to bring that code of ethics and action to really see um, that little moment in our life when we say, oh, I'll just trust that the universe will bring such and such. The better question is, how am I preparing myself to receive? How am I preparing myself to create? How am I priming my mind to receive opportunity? How am I priming my mind to create action out in the world? Right. So constantly bringing it back to these tiny little building blocks that don't feel like big spiritual landslides every day. Right. We even sometimes have to remind ourselves in our instant gratification culture that, oh, wow, I did that. You can look back, you know, six months from now and go, oh, my goodness, that thing arrived. That idea arrived. That partner arrived. That project arrived. That new home arrived. Right. Whatever it may be. But you're always first asking are my actions in line with symbiotic ethics and how am I priming myself to receive? Okay, in terms of a mukti code, which is something that I outline in Transitory Nature in Chapter 8, instead of using the words purpose or purposeful life or your dharma, which I do describe, it's linguistic roots in that chapter as well, which is very important. Right, but the mukti code, so the code of freedom, right? Mukti means freedom in Sanskrit. And specifically, I outline looking at key placements in your natal chart so that you can develop this statement for yourself, a statement that is constantly changing 
and evolving, not the statement itself, but the way that you bring it into fruition in your life, right? I ask you not to share it so that you have a sense of privacy and a sense of private dignity around your own Mukti code. And there is um, this sacred commitment between you and your own Mukti code, right? So first, obviously, your sun placement, right? Your deepest driving desires and the thing that makes you feel safe in obtaining your deepest driving desires. It's not often how the world sees you in a personality sense, but it's definitely how you get your needs met and really outlines your deepest driving desires, right? So that's important when you're looking at, you know, how do I develop a code of freedom for myself? Okay, great. And then after that is Chiron and Lilith, right? So Chiron is our wounded healer, and it's much more in a public place of the work that we need to do out in the world, the self-awareness work, the personal healing work, and the communal support work. You know, how do we do that out in the world? Chiron can really give you that answer. And then Lilith is generally the roadblocks of self-sabotage, right? The ways that we siphon energy from ourselves, from our own creative mission, the ways that we don't hold boundaries well, and the ways that we don't stay committed, right? So that could be too many friends in your life or saying yes too much or not being willing to do some of your own traumatic excavation, right? Looking at some of your past issues and some of your own programming, Right. Lilith really will give you the, the roadblocks, like how many am I going to see and what are they going to look like? And then how am I going to cope with them? And then next, the two placements that are very key to understanding your Mukti code, right? Your purpose statement is Midheaven and North Node, right? So often in session, I describe to people, okay, North Node is the target, Midheaven is the gas in the tank, right? So midheaven, the gas in the tank, the actual steps you can take to get there, your skill set, your actual steps and skill set to get to the target. Target is north node, and that's a little bit more ethereal. So it's like the emotional quality that you would like to have throughout the whole process, the impact you would love for this thing relationship project to have in the world right the north node can really help you define that okay great right so looking at those key placements will really help you understand what is my deepest driving desires how do i set an ethical code that supports that and also has a communal piece because of the interconnection of all beings you know how do i bring that into my consciousness what's my actual skill set right so your midheaven and the placement of the midheaven that can tell you a lot about what your skills are and how to actualize them your unique skills right each and every one of us has a very different natal chart so you have to learn it in order to trust it. That means there has to be action around it, that you're learning it, and then you're putting that learning into action items out in your life. 
And I think this work is sometimes best done in a vacuum if you can muster it, or maybe with a close friend, but really staying out of the public space as much as you can when you're developing this mukti code, because we don't want it influenced by what's been done. That's not what your natal chart is here to do. It's not here to do what's been done. Right? <laughs> pun intended, the purpose of it is to run energy through it in a unique expression, right, to its fullest exaltation, to your fullest exaltation, which means we really have to understand the ins and outs of it and when we're being truthful and when we're not. So I thought this was a beautiful reflection as we approach the Sagittarius full moon. So let's chat a little bit about the Sagittarius full moon. So Sagittarius, right, the dreamer, the intellect, the warrioress, and the heroine, one of the most sociably loved signs Right, so it can lean into people-pleasing just a little too much. However, great at one-liners, great at keeping the cohesiveness of a social group, very committed, very fiery. The fire doesn't always come out as angst or anger sometimes, like Aries perhaps, one of its other fire sign friends. It comes out more of a slow burn, So some of the aspects for this full moon is Mars conjunct Chiron. Really important work right now to look at the way that we express passion in the world and how that needs healing, right? Mars is discipline, also a archetype of warrior or warrioress and Chiron, wounded healer, and there's a conjunction there. So this is an auspicious time to look at the full moon closing in Sagittarius and say, okay, what are more healing entities, ideas, rituals, practices that I can bring into the way that I view discipline, the way that I accomplish things, the way that I force myself to do things, the way that I force myself to get up and work crazy hours, right, really can look at work in this space, and bringing more healing ritual there, more space, more time, more objectivity, right, really valuable in the window of this Sagittarius full moon. Okay, and then we have moon sextile Saturn retrograde in Aquarius. Right, so Saturn retrograde, right, this is about an inner discipline, not so much the way that we exercise it out in the world, but sextile is an auspicious arrangement. And so the moon in Sagittarius, sextile Saturn retrograde of, okay, how can I use my intellect, the sharp knife's edge of my own intellect, 
to create inner discipline. And discipline isn't hard and heavy and blunt. I'm talking about more of a dynamic understanding of what you need and how to answer that that for yourself, how to answer your own needs. Okay, I loved this next full moon aspect. It's moon square Neptune. Okay, so sometimes Sagittarius is seen as the dreamer. And I love that it's squaring Neptune, which is also seen as altered states of consciousness, dreamscapes, right? The most outer planet. And there's a square here. So this idea of realism. And that doesn't mean that dreams aren't real. That means, oh my God, this dream is so big and I'm obsessed with it and I love it and it turns me on. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't even know if it's going to make money. I don't even know when it's going to be done. But I have to take real steps to get there. I have to use my grounded intellect to get there. What does that look like? Pick three actions where you're saying, okay, this is moving me towards a dream life, a purposeful life, a dreamscape, a dream project, bringing a dream into fruition. Okay, and then we have sun, opposition, moon. Just important to note that there is a little bit of push-pull between your solar and lunar energy in this full moon window. So lean into the lunar. Right, full moon is a closure. So instead of letting that push-pull sort of wear you out, use it as an awareness moment of like, how do I lean into my lunar energies? Right? How do I stay out of the worry, anxiety space? And, and how do I lean into the contemplative back body? Right? So practices for the contemplative back body. Weighted Shavasana, legs up the wall, spending time in nature, long exhalation, deep forward folds. Right? How do I step back into the contemplative back body? And then one of the last aspects I thought was important to note is Venus trine Pluto. So we've had this in the ethers for a while now. It's also occurring in the Sagittarius full moon, strawberry moon window. It's probably time to cut a cord. That could be with a part of self. That could be with an action that you know is self-sabotaging. That could be with a physical person. That could be with a physical space. Right, saying, I actually would like to step into my home frequency, draw in relationships and opportunities through my own home frequency. This particular entity, person, place, or thing is not honoring my home frequency. Cord cut. That doesn't have to be violent. That can just be silence, not responding, stepping away, no longer making plans in that direction, right? Really honoring this trine. Trine is an auspicious aspect. So it's good to understand, you know, what doors are open and what doors are closed in the full moon, new moon windows. 
And this one in particular is like, if this person, place, or thing is not honoring my home frequency or expanding my home frequency is a better question, then it's time to cut that cord. Okay, that's about everything in terms of purpose, Mukti code, and some Sagittarius full moon aspects. I'm excited to announce that I am finally doing a transitory nature course. It's time to build a community of like-minded souls who have been exploring non-binary worldview and want to continue the process of consciousness design. Look out for that in the next couple weeks and expect more of these astrology deep dives on the Rhizocast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we are shipping the summer solstice issue tomorrow, right? So volume one of Rhizo is hitting the mail tomorrow. We're so grateful to all of our contributors that really showed up and put their creative voice in this volume. We're ecstatic with how it turned out. We've been getting great feedback. Very excited about that. Very excited for you to hold it and read through it and use it for the three-month period. The submission date for the fall equinox is July 29, so you still have some time. And we would love to feature your work in Rhizo Magazine. And Volume 1 is shipping tomorrow. All right, thank you so much for tuning in to the RhizoCast and looking forward to talking with you soon when I have a guest in the studio. Thank you for tuning in to the RhizoCast. If you love this episode, please download, subscribe, share it, and pass it along to a friend. Please subscribe to our Rhizo Magazine subscription at www.rhizomagazine.com. You can find Sue Hunt's work, your host, at www.suehunt.com. We love bringing you these in-depth conversations. Please remember the suggestions of our guests and hosts are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as actionable advice. This podcast is a resource for general information, education, and artistic inspiration. Rizo is not liable for your decisions to implement information from this podcast.